My guest today is no stranger to Bullet and Flight Radio. In fact, he is the creator and founder of Pyro Media Network, which is a progressive network focused on providing fresh and engaging content from underserved voices. Pyro Media's visual presence is unlike any other. So many different brands have leaned on Pyro Media to take them to the next level. Please help me welcome to the show, Kwame Corbett. Hello, is this Mr. Kwame Corbett? This is. How are you? The CEO of Pyro Media Network. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Um, do you have time to answer a few questions for us? I do, I do. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely no problem. I guess you've already figured this is Jess Dominic from Bullet and Flight Radio, and you are on Bullet and Flight Talk. So I've already gone through your introduction, so those that are listening uh, have already gotten the opportunity to hear a little bit about you. So my first question is for you today, how did you first get started in your industry? media network building, da-da-da-da-da, so on and so forth. Please talk to us a little bit about how you got started in this particular industry. Okay, so I'm actually going to try to keep it as short as possible because it's a very extensive, long, winding road journey, but such is life, right? <laughs> so um, when I was growing up, um, my background is in performing arts dance. Um, and so uh, I've been dancing since I was four. Um, I've been uh, training in various uh, prestigious dance schools like the Ailey School, uh, Juilliard, etc. And so when I started to have my own uh, dance companies uh, in Seattle, um, and even a little bit before that, I um, decided that I wanted to kind of do more videos. And, and I saw a lot more uh, uh, different like dance videos that were happening on on YouTube and so I wanted to have that as well for my dance companies and be able to have momentos for my students as well as company members to be able to have but in a more higher production level instead of just somebody just holding a camera and calling it a day right um, but I was noticing that I was having problems communicating my desires and my my wants to production um, and it was because I didn't have um, the skill or the uh, the knowledge to, to do so. And so I've always been the type of person that if I don't know something, I want to go and learn it. And that's why we're in the age of Google. And so I um, started looking, looking it up and then I eventually just made a decision to pivot my um, professional career to video production. And so I went to uh, the Seattle, the Art Institute of Seattle for video production and digital photography. Um, and I got my degree there and uh, learned all I needed to learn about that. And then I ended up falling in love with it. Um, I really didn't go into the filmmaking direction. I went more into media and broadcasting. I got really interested in producing, uh, really uh, loved producing productions and visual aspects and uh, quite frankly, just the editing process and creating graphics and making things look visually dynamic. I love movies that are visually stunning. Um, one of some of my favorites is like Interstellar. Uh, another one is like Inception. Um, and, and those are just visually dope movies to me. And so uh, I wanted to create images and imagery that um, 
spoke that as well in, in, in terms of how mm-hmm. things look and um, presentation is really everything. And I think with the pandemic, it really uh, pushed people to kind of go from these grassroots uh, door-to-door type sales type situations into a level where they had to up their game when it came to uh, video, video production and just overall just imagery and graphic design as, as it stands for. So uh, right. that's kind of a little bit of my roundabout in a, a journey and how I got to this in a short, concise way. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, that's really interesting. We, we all start somewhere. And I guess the whole point, obviously, is start. You know, you yes. never know where you're going to end up. And those insignificant, small little starts that people don't even recognize as something that will become uh, much bigger in their lives. It's just really interesting. So thank you. Yeah, for and, and no, my pleasure. And, and I think also just to kind of talk about how I started or how Pirate Media Enterprises started, we started out with just being a podcast network. Um, and so I started out with a podcast called Blaze Entertainment. Um, and uh, my old co-host and I, we um, – just we rose to kind of a really big deal because we were really um, uh, opinionated and um, very vocal and criticized the previous administration. And this was during the time when um, the former, uh, y'all's former president <laughs> and Hillary Clinton were in the uh, primaries. And so I was really vocal about a lot of the things that he was pushing. I saw a lot of the agendas that was going on and um, a lot of the pushback that um, the Obama administration uh, or a lot of the pushback they were trying to do with some of the the achievements that the Obama administration had, such as, uh, you know, know, marriage equality, uh, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so it really frustrated me during that time. um, And it really frustrated me that people really weren't seeing that. And so, Uh, we were vocal about it. And so because the show got really, really, or the podcast got really, really popular, uh, I wanted to shop it around to different radio stations and uh, possible other podcast networks. And one of the things that I was running into was that in order for us to be a part of that, we would lose our autonomy um, and also our creative control. And that was a huge issue for me. Um, And this is no um, shame to anyone that has made that decision. Um, but for me, um, it was just not my path in the, in the direction that I wanted to go. And I wanted to ha- um, have my space, you know, a safe space for me to yeah. even do what I was doing. And so um, that was the whole purpose of me, me even joining to even start that podcast. Um, it's because I wanted to have a space where I can vent and let things out uh, without feeling like I had to curb my tongue or what have you. And so yeah. I started shopping around and looking at ways to kind of do that without them being on a radio station. And I noticed that there was not a way to do it unless you had to start your own, you know, kind of space. And so I was noticing also in, in the time, you know, this is around the time where podcasts were starting to come, you know, become, you know, more relevant. Um, it wasn't like a really huge thing at that time, um, but yeah. there were some really popular podcasters out there, specifically podcasts of color that were out there. Um, I know one of my uh, favorites and podcast heroes is The Read with uh, Kid Fury and uh, Crystal West, and she, they are just amazing, um, and they're very vocal about uh, their opinions, <laughs> you know, and, and really, uh, they don't hold their tongue, and so I wanted to kind of have a space like that, uh, and so I ended up just kind of doing more research and 
studying, and it took me about a year, but we created Pyro Media Network. Um, and so mm-hmm. I launched it in January of 2017, um, January 5th of 2017. So this is going to be, this whenever this airs, this is going to be like our seventh year <laughs> that we're going to be in existence. And so, um, again, we started out as a podcast network, and for the next couple of years, we kind of noticed that we were getting more inquiries on, um, like, even our first six months, we had over 72, 72 um, requests to join the network for people, podcasts to join the network. Um, and that was, like, a big deal for us because we were, like, we were the new kids on the block. <laughs> you know, we were not really, we're not even an established network yet. You know, like, people didn't really know who we were. Uh, we had, like, maybe we produced a second show, um, and it wasn't really, like, you know, anything that was, crazy at the time that, that compared to other networks like the loudspeaker network or et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, we went through a lot of different things. I learned a lot from just the business side. I learned a lot of, um, on how to pivot certain things in terms of branding. And um, I already had, um, at that time, I had about 10 years of, um, eight or 10 years of uh, branding and brand strategy and marketing experience. And so that wasn't an issue. Um, and so I noticed that we were getting more most of our base revenue was coming from the branding and the consultations and all of that stuff and really helping podcasts shape and produce and become what they are. Um, and that's where we were getting our money from. So we ended up rebranding and, and launching um, Pyramedia Enterprises as a whole. And then Pyramedia Network became a kind of our streaming and podcast network where you see all of our entertainment and our media and our talk shows and all that stuff. And then we have Pyramedia Productions, which is the kind of the servicing arm of Pyramedia Enterprises, where we do all of the social media and the, the uh, yeah. social media management, content creation, uh, website development, um, branding, uh, consultations, etc. Um, and then we have, uh, uh, you know, we have Pyramedia Productions, Pyramedia Network, and then we also have KC3, uh, which is the kind of a, a exclusive company <laughs> where it's specifically focusing on entrepreneurs that want to kind of uh, either rebrand or they want to gain more skills on how to organize themselves a little bit better. I work with them on personal um, planning and growth and productivity growth. Uh, and so we've kind of come a long way in, in um, and also they, we do business development and stuff in that, that, or that company, but we have a specific clientele for that. And so um we don't really advertise those things because for KC3 because it's a specific niche and a specific type of client with a particular budget that we look for um, that will qualify them to be a client there. But overall, um, Pyramid Enterprises has been literally one of the loves of my life. <laughs> so just seeing it grow, we have a, 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 a full staff now, um, and we are just really proud of the work that we've done and what we're continuing to do when we incorporate um, and, and interact with other businesses and brands. So um, really, Excellent. really proud of what we've done. Yes, yes, and you should be. A lot of growth over a short period of time, and what a multi-layered company. Listen, everyone, if you're listening and you're looking to launch a business, if you're looking to rebrand, do better graphics, if you're looking for consultation, understanding website algorithms and so forth on your social media accounts, Pyro Media Network is the company to call. They are the premier company. But don't call them if you plan, okay, because they are free <laughs> and here to work. <laughs> they are. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. No, no problem. Let's talk about some more passions uh, that you have. I know that you aren't musically inclined, meaning instruments, because, of course, I know you. We're in partnership. You all know that Pyro Media Network and Bullet and Flight Radio are in partnership, or Bullet and Flight Productions is in partnership, which created the content for Bullet and Flight Radio overall. So let me ask you, what secret talents do you have? I don't know if there's any secret talents, uh, but uh, most people who interact with me uh, within the past three or four years don't know that I have a dance background. And so, um, and I don't really advertise it as much because, you know, I just, I've been so focused on pyromedia, but (laughs) that's really kind of, uh, I guess, a secret talent that I have. Um, You know, like I said before, I've been training, or I have trained um, in some of the most prestigious schools. you know, known to dance, you know, like I said, the Haley School. Um, I've had an apprenticeship at the, uh, the Juilliard School. Um, mm-hmm. I've worked with uh, different types of dance companies and um, uh, sold my choreography to different dance schools that have won competitions and um, have taken uh, mm-hmm. gold gold medals and bronze and silver and or whatever platinums that they have different titles now. But, you know, uh, we've I've won one. I'm a, I'm a, I guess a championship holder. <laughs> so, I, right. so my choreography has has gone um, across the nation. So I'm really proud of what I've done and the legacy I've built in that aspect. And also I've worked with different yeah. um, uh, dance uh, conventions and been on their boards and helped them with consultations in that nature. So, uh, but I have pulled myself really away from the dance world. I have not really especially in the past, since the pandemic, uh, even a little bit before that, um, I've really kind of pulled myself away um, from the dance world a little bit, uh, only because, you know, it's just, I've been really focused on pyromedia and (laughs) really trying to build that and it takes a lot to kind of, you know, uh, build a company and maintain a dance company. So uh, I had to give, one one had to give. (laughs) Yes, yes, well, that makes sense. But, yes, a lot of people don't know that. So it's safe to say that you have a special love for music then, and dance music and jazz and all that jazz, (laughs) which is fantastic. Some people don't know that I have a huge um, uh, love for different types of music. People may, you know, judge, you know, me based off of or me think that I listen to a certain type of music and I don't. I really have a huge repertoire of, of on my on my playlist, on my Apple playlist. I listen to almost everything except the extremes. Like I don't listen to I guess some there's certain certain heavy metal songs that I've I've listened to in the past, but I'm not a big heavy metal fan. I'm not a big um hardcore rap fan. Um I'm not a big hardcore country fan, but I do like country songs. There are some songs that I really, really enjoy. Um I'm a yeah. big Rascal Flats fan. I'm a big um uh, Shania Twain fan. Um, Dolly, Dolly Parton, obviously, you know, the, the, the greats, but um, hardcore um, music is not really, like, if you go to an extreme, <laughs> I kind of stay away from, but I have an yeah. eclectic uh, sound in, in my in my, Which my is good. Now, obviously, we here focus on gospel more than anything else, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Um, that is, is really good to know that some of the things in the world that you've been able to uh, 
uh, interpret and also bring into uh, the church and Christian settings as well. As you said, you've done a lot of dance. You've, you've uh, choreographed a lot of different dance. I know that you've worked for your church ministry in the past and, and choreographing things like that. So it's that's really important. And I said all of that to say uh, that, you know, sometimes traditional Christian individuals really don't know how to take uh, folks who have uh, various talents and skills. Of course, we know that dance has been integrated in the mainstream black church for a while now, um, but um, that that was a process. It always appeared right. to be carnal, to move your body in certain ways. I was talking to the legendary songbird, uh, Sherry Livingston, and we were talking about <laughs> touring and just trying to sing back up and move and people were like you dance and you snapping your fingers it was like a whole crazy thing so it's just nice yeah. to see dance and and all that it is now being uh, far more integrated in our our environment and our communities and you know what's funny you say that uh dominic uh, one of the issues that um pyromedia faced uh was i wanted to immediately you know provide services, this is way before the pandemic, um, I wanted to provide services to different churches. Um, and I noticed that we got a lot of pushback. Number one, because, you know, we had different podcasts that were open, you know, and, and, and inclusive. Um, and we, you know, of course, kept us a very safe space. And then we also had podcasts that, you know, uh, used some profanity. Um, and and even though this was, would have been a phenomenal opportunity for them to up their their media content and or uh, their social media and or, you know, provide a uh, an outlet for broadcasting, whether it be through podcasting or through streaming or what have you, they push back on it because it was it wasn't yeah. a part of the traditional uh, kind of uh, silo. And, and that was a, a huge detriment to not only um, them, but it, it also showed me and, and other production companies that were in the area that I talked to, I have a, a lot of great friends who um, are have really dope um, production organizations and companies, and they were feeling that at the same time, you know, when we were searching out, because churches, we wanted to give back, right? Churches was our home, and this is where we're supposed to, you know, serve. And so uh, when we were getting such pushback, uh, it, it, it was confusing. <laughs> it was confusing. Um because it it just didn't make any sense. It was just an opportunity for them to kind of elevate. But I think traditions um, oftentimes become shackles, um, and 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 people don't know how to see God in and take God out of being in a, in a box. Yeah. They put they place God in a box when God is that box and everything outside of it. So that's right. That is a great point. <laughs> well, it's a great point. Um, I, I was thinking about this before our interview, uh, something that has always been triggering to me, and it came out of, of the church. And I remember constantly being told when I sang a solo or anything like that, that I was trying to sing to, sing to somebody, uh, uh, singing for panties. I think that's how it was termed. And there are church mothers that made these very nasty remarks to me, and I didn't quite understand 
what that meant. I knew it was deeply offensive. I'm singing gospel. I'm not singing to anybody's panties. Right. And it was just, it's just weird. So it's just, I said all that to say that sometimes if you have a different sound, there's a different take on what it is that you do, people will really, really, really come for you. And they don't realize that God is the God of all sounds, all movement, all of the movements that you were making, you know, and that you you choreograph and design. This is what he does. This is why he's God. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's, there's nothing new under the sun at all. And we need to really respect that. Yeah. And respect the gifts that others bring, you know. Yes, and, 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 and to, to that point, I think oftentimes people ask for help and that they're not ready for help. And, and I'm noticing that a lot, yes. um, or I have noticed that a lot in, in different clients that we take on. It's like, yeah, we want your help. We see what you're doing, and, and your stuff is amazing. But then they are so stuck in their – they want us to elevate them. Tradition. They want us to help yes. them, you know, uh, bring, bring their, their, their stuff up. But then they go into a space where it's like, well, this is what we've been working on. This is what we do, and this is how things are, has always been. Yeah, it's always been that way, but that's why you came to us because it's always been that way. Right, and <laughs> so right. you're looking. You ask for something different. You ask for elevation, and I think I have gained enough confidence, um, in not only my team, but also in my skills and and what I bring to the table, um, and and just my my resume, the company's resume, the company's history, um, and so it, it, it's it's not like we're just you know what I say regular 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 people, right? We're not we're not right. people who are coming in you know, just doing the old okie doke. We're actually coming in with, with professional level people who are degreed, who are um, have years of skills and, and, and um, years of um, uh, uh, experience. And so I just, it's confusing sometimes. It's like, you know, I get it that you may be scared to have all of this. This may be, a, you know, a big um, um, change for you, but at the same time, you have to be ready to elevate, not just say that you want to elevate. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people are, they claim to embrace change, and they say they want new, and, I, and I'm definitely talking to the church right here, and they, they, but they are fearful of everything that's different, not knowing it's a new day. It's a new day. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It's a new day. Oh, new blessings, new this and new that, and then you're afraid of it. <laughs> it yeah, doesn't quite yeah. make any sense. At all. So, yeah, <laughs> pray, pray for us, the church. We're still trying to, trying to get it together, and clearly and, we and, don't and, have and it together. I think that that's okay. I think that that's okay to, to have those, you know, you know, there's always going to be fear. People have fear of the unknown, you know. People one of the major reasons why, you know, marriage equality took so long is because people were fear, feared, you know, the LGBTQIA plus community, right? And so I get it. You don't know until you know. But at the same time, you have to be willing to know. And I think that that's what pushed marriage equality over the edge to the point where um, it, it was able to, to pass. Um, and as well as other topics and other things and other issues that are going on, you don't know until you know. And, and if you're not willing to, to learn, if you're not willing to, to be open to growth and, and understanding, then you're going to remain stuck in the same cycle that you've been in. 
<laughs> and so that's just you know that's just my little my little tip there. <laughs> yeah, well, that that whole thing is something the church still isn't ready to have conversation over. Um, yeah. So anyway, getting back to the topic at hand, <laughs> <laughs> where do you see Pyro Media Network, the entire network, going over the course of the next decade? Wow, the next decade. Um, well, I definitely see um, the overall enterprises, the overall company um, continuing to expand. Um, I, I, I definitely see um, other subsidiaries and other um, things coming out of, of the, the big three, <laughs> which is, you know, Pirate Media Network, Pirate Media Productions, and KT3. Um, but I, I, I definitely want to see, I think as far as restructuring goes, I think we've restructured enough to the point where we have a really solid foundation. Um, I do see uh, more locations um, and, and uh, in different spaces and different, and different cities. And um, uh, that's really a, a huge goal of our um, board of, of, of investors and, and, and the executive team uh, to kind of grow into different cities and, and um, continue to, to push uh, elevation and, and growth within visual arts and, and media. And, and that's really, really kind of my focus is just to kind of continue to grow. <laughs> and so that's kind of where yeah. I see more, more um, locations or chapters, as we like to call it. Um, and uh, we'll see where, where everything goes from there. Yes. Okay. That sounds fantastic. For those that um, he's, he's really being uh, humble, and that is a, a high-level answer, <laughs> everyone, but um, – there are lots of shows on Pyro Media Network that we want to see really, really, really take off and and break glass ceilings and enter new levels and, and new rooms of success, all branded by this wonderful network. So anyway, tell us, what was your childhood like? That's a loaded question. In regard, <laughs> yes, in regard, let, let, let me specify that. In regards yeah. to to the Lord, your spiritual life, what what was your childhood like? So that's really interesting. So I grew up um, Catholic. Uh, my my mom was a devout uh, Catholic, and and so she um, she would take me to church every. I didn't really have a choice. There was not really a decision whether or not I was going to church with her or not. She was going to church, I was going to church. <laughs> so, and I, I, I actually respected that. Um, and what was really cool about this particular Catholic church is that it felt more like a traditional um, black church because uh, our um, priests, you know, had backgrounds in um, Baptists and, and, and Protestants and, and, and Pentecostal um, backgrounds. And so, when we had church, although we had this, you know, uh, the service was, you know, traditional um, Catholic structure in terms of, you know, you go up and get your, your bread if you, you know, you, you know, all that stuff, whatever, and, um, and doing communion every Sunday, all that stuff. Um, all of that was the same. Um, however, the sermons were very much like, uh, very much like a traditional black church today. And um, it's just been very interesting to kind of grow up. And so I didn't really have a major transition when I when I went on my own to um, 
to different churches, especially uh, non-denominational churches, which was kind of my next church where I went to. Um, because I left the Catholic Church after a while, and I think my mom pulled me out at a really good time. I think she sensed um, there were some things going on. Where, you know, there was a huge uh, kind of issues going on with the Catholic Church of priests and young men and stuff like that and, and, and boys. And so that was uh, – she pulled me out at a really good time to where I was never affected by that, thank God. Um, and so I, I was never involved in anything, um, although I saw it coming, <laughs> there was a priest, uh, but I was, my mom was very, um, protective, uh, and, and just kind of was really discerning on when, when and where to leave. And she very, I very rarely stayed outside of my home, um, or away from my mom where my mom wasn't present unless I was at school. And even then, my mom was really um, active in the PCA, and she was always at my school. Uh, she was always volunteering in some way, shape, or form, just so she could be in the in the vicinity there. And so I would always see my mom when I would go, you know, on lunch or whatever. I would see her, you know, talking to some of the teachers, or she would be walking past and talking to a paraprofessional or what have you. So she was always really um, around, uh, so I didn't really have the opportunity, Good. and thank God, uh, to be in a type of um, situation where I would be victimized. Um, so thank God for that, right? <laughs> but um, yes. as I can say in, I said yes. Yeah. So I, as um, I, when we left the uh, the Catholic Church, um, I had some time to kind of like you know be by myself and discover who I was. This is really during my adolescent times and. Uh, and I, I really started going into a dark path of, of depression because I started realizing things about myself that I did not, um, I couldn't relate with other people in my home, um, and 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 looking at guys differently and and you know those those feelings and and you seeing that there's nothing else in the the home that would equate yeah. to that and so you think that there's something wrong with you. Um, and then obviously, you know, with my older brothers, you know, the, their conversations and those macho conversations that they would have with my dad, you know, <laughs> those things were were um, were taboo to them, were 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 very um, uh, frowned upon. Um, and so, so I, of course, you know, I and then I went to my brother had joined the church, uh, and I I joined with him um, uh, several months later, and I and I that's where I it was a non-denominational church, and that's where I got most of my um, my, uh, I guess, spiritual or black church uh, <laughs> uh, engagement, <laughs> but that that time was also a really dark time. It really, really it, they isolated me from my friends uh, because I felt like I was well, I was born again, so I couldn't hang out with my gay friends. I couldn't hang out with um, uh, friends that did not go to church and and. Uh, it was more cultish than it was a church to me at that time, you know, looking back at it. Um, but it, it became a situation where I I just had to kind of, like, learn after a long time <laughs> of healing from that, that relationship with God is not through someone. Relationship with God is through you and how you can, you know, connect with him. Um, and, and my journey with God was more focused on, now more focused on really reading the Bible for what it is and studying it, not just saying, oh, well, it says this and taking it as it, as it is, but actually learning what that meant um, in that time and really studying it and understanding what those different things are. And so it's, it's been a lot of reprogramming um, and, and a lot of deprogramming 
um, uh, from a lot of the, the, the stuff that has been indoctrinated into the black church um, and indoctrinated into the congregation of those in the black church. So a little bit of a rough start <laughs> with, with the spiritual journey so many... as it pertains to the church, but yeah. you know, we're here. <laughs> and so many people, unfortunately, have uh, crazy experiences in the church for sure. So it's yeah. um, unfortunate, but it's just kind of uh, kind of the way it is. Unfortunately, I hate to say, it, keep saying it like that, but that is definitely the case. Where yeah, and, and I think a little that rough, that's why it so can ob- be a little rough. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's why I'm so obsessed with um, with ensuring that Pyro was a safe space for 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 creatives because I I for so long have felt so unsafe. And I for so long yearned for places to to be safe and to connect with people who wanted to be in a safe space as well to just be themselves and and, um, just uniquely themselves without any fear of rejection or fear of of condemnation or what have you. And so um, that's one of the reasons why I really focused on creating, and I'm talking about like not just Saying that we're going to have a and make it sound good in, on on paper, but also like just really like from how diverse our team is, and, and, and even in the the, the uh, safety of our staff members, our staff feels very comfortable talking to me directly, or talking to our management, or having conversations, you know, um, that they, that may otherwise feel uncomfortable in corporate situations, right? And so um, even though we have a corporate structure, I don't. Our team is very lax in the sense that there's a there's a comfortness and a a security where they can feel like they can always come and talk to me about things, um, even if it's personal things. Even if it has nothing to do with work, I stop and I'll make sure that if I'm available, I will make myself available uh, for a staff member. So um, th- that's very important to me because if my staff's not healthy, we can't you know properly service clients. And and I think that that's really something that I really looked at with the church is that a lot of, oftentimes we have people who are behind the pulpit who are not healthy themselves, you know, and, and they then spew their, what they feel their indoctrination onto the congregation and it becomes a cycle. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. <laughs> so that's, 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 it's, actually, it's really good to hear. It's really good to, um, to get your your take on on not only your childhood but Christianity and some of the the tragedy that has um, unfortunately overtook some of our brothers and sisters from the Catholic Church to so on and so forth, which really lets me know that we still need to continue to pray because I I really yeah. believe that the church tries to focus on a person's sexuality instead of focusing on the scriptures. And the scriptures tell us that the only sexual abomination is human trafficking and sex slavery. That's the abomination, making people do uh, things that, that are against their nature and their desire, including little children. So we don't talk enough yeah. about that sort of thing in the church. I actually have never yeah. heard a sermon on human human trafficking. I have never heard a sermon about pedophiles and pedophilia. I've never heard those sexual 
misconducts be brought out through the scriptures and over the pulpit. Never. So anyway, that's a that's a topic for another day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm glad we can talk about that here actually. Uh, to, to start that discussion, and everyone that's listening, that those are the things that the Bible is very clear about, and there should be and is no debate about uh, what those sexual infractions are. So, moving on to something lighter. Mm-hmm. If you could collaborate with anyone on a project, who would it be and why? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that is... um. That is really interesting. I know who um, it is, but I, I, I won't say. Oh, <laughs> who do you think it is? I can't say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think I would want to collaborate with Carlos King, and here's why. <laughs> because I have within the past um, uh, year or so, my, my, my focus is to create talk shows, to create um, uh, spaces for people to have conversations on whatever, on multiple topics and, 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 and genres and different Darn things, it. right? So no um, Kempire. Kempire. I just knew that. No. Was be. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, Carlos King. Empire. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> Carlos King that. is the king. He is yes. the king. I, yes. I, the I love Carlos King because he created a franchise that was, or one of the franchises, even though Orange County, uh, the Real Housewives of Orange County was the first, the Real Housewives of Atlanta was the biggest franchise, and it actually re, um, it create, it helped cre- to create other franchises. Um, and so for me, having someone be one of the executive producers of something like that um, and also be a major uh, force behind that uh, is admirable. Because although it's trash TV for some people, and that's all fine and dandy, people still watch it. People still have, you know, uh, and I love the marketing and the branding behind it. I, I'm, a, I'm a big marketing geek. And so I look at, you know, uh, narratives and how people are, um, uh, you know, uh, I just find reality TV and that realm um, of, of media to be super interesting. Um, and, and, and I love having conversations with people about it because people are often, you know, they look at it as like, oh, we're just trash talking. Well, it's not necessarily trash talking. It's literally having a conversation about what people are thinking, and you're talking about it anyway, right? And so you're bringing right. light to something. <laughs> you're bringing publicity to something, um, whether you like it or not. And so um, I just found that to be super interesting, and Carlos King has done a phenomenal job at, at really uh, bringing out certain uh, features and characters um, and energies uh, with different castmates and cast members. And, and really, he's really kind of helped uh, to launch uh, people's careers. And I, I really just admire how he does things. And I also admire his perspective. I've been listening to his podcast recently um, on, on different uh, different shows that he's, he's watched and different reality shows, and his perspective is very interesting, especially when it comes to um, uh, black media and, and the temperature when it, that, that it comes to, that, that black audiences have with certain shows and, and what they are triggered by and what they are, are, are enamored by. So I just, I just find, 
I find Carlos seem to be very interesting. I find his his uh, aesthetic when it comes to uh, building the show uh, really really interesting and 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 interesting to emulate. Uh, and so I just want to just kind of pick his brain, and I would love to work with him on on stuff. So that's a, yeah. a dream job of mine <laughs> or dream collaboration. Yeah, I guess. I, you never know, Carlos, if you are listening in. Well, number one, that would be very nice. But if you're listening in, give Kwame Corbett a call. Give him a call. You won't be disappointed. You guys, I believe, have similar work work ethics. So it would be really, that would really be awesome to see uh, between the two of you for sure. So, and huh. at the very least, I would just love to have a conversation with him. I think I think he's just a really interesting uh, person. I think most people see um, producers as villains, but um, and some of them are. There, there, there. I can't lie. There, are, there are some producers that are working on very high-profile shows that I know personally, and that that do things that shouldn't, that can be deemed unethical to other people. Um, and and I I personally have worked really hard not to use those tactics to to, to bring about um, success for Power Media. I was able to kind of do it in a different way. So, but they, they're, they're out there. <laughs> so I'm just really um, interested in just kind of how production behind the scenes is. I've always been a fan um, and, and I've always been a fan of those who are behind the scenes. And I've always called myself the man with the plan behind the scenes because I don't like to always be in the forefront. So this even and of itself is really interesting to me that I've been, you know, pushed uh, by my brand strategist and also by um, some of my team members to do more interviews and really talk about uh, the company because, you know, it's needed. People, you, you can't, I always tell my clients, you can't um, expect somebody to, to buy into something if you're not buying into it. So if you are not right. proud of your work, then how are you going to get somebody else to be proud of it? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I digress. <laughs> That is that's super duper important actually. Um, so 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 talk talk to me. I mean, we've kind of talked about uh, your your one of your passions for sure. Uh, actually, two of your passions. But let's talk about what is your greatest passion or and conviction. What would you say? Oh, that's a very good. I I don't know. I think I've kind of listed both of them. I think dance and and um and media production and producing has been kind of I think those are my two. I don't think that there's really anything else. <laughs> Am I missing something? No, no, no. Something that I should not know. <laughs> No, no, not at all. You know, I, I just always like to ask, like, out of the two, which one is your greatest passion? Ooh, I don't know. I, if you, you would have saying? asked me this um, maybe five years ago, I probably would have said dance. Um, but because I have been doing this for so long, um, and, and I just really am so proud of, of where the company has gone, I'm proud of my clients, each and every one of them, past and present. I'm proud of, of where they're going and, and, um, and their contributions to not only Pyro Media but their communities and respectively. I think yes. um, it's really head-to-head for me when it comes to dance and, and 
and producing. Um, being a producer is, is really, really dope to me. I just love having conversation. I love talking, as you can see. <laughs> and I love having conversations, you know, thought-provoking conversations on various different things. And I think one of the cool things that I've gotten to do, um, even on my, my on Power Media Network, is, is I've been able to have conversations about different passions of my life. So, like, I love dance, and I sometimes talk about that. I love to talk about social justice and politics. I get a chance to talk about that. Um, I love comics. I'm a huge comic book fan, especially Marvel um, and now DC. Um, and and uh, I have a show with you <laughs> on it called The Unusual Mavericks. And so I get to nerd out um, because most people don't um, know that I'm, I'm a big I'm a big nerd. I, I grew up with comic books. I still have comic books in collections. I still have um, uh, trading cards and, and, and collector's items that I, I now know that probably are worth thousands of dollars. I should call my mom so she can ship them to me. <laughs> but, um, regardless, like, you know, I get to be, I get to have different aspects and niches that I, you know, get to touch and, and, and talk about on this, this, this network and make money off of it, which is really nice. <laughs> so it's a blessing. You know, not everybody gets to do what they love and, and live off of it. So I'm, I'm just really blessed. And I'm, you know, for however long God continues to bless me, I'm, I'm going to continue to ride the, until the wheels fall off. Well, that makes sense. So I guess, audience, his answer is all of the above. All of, <laughs> all of the above is his greatest passion, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which is all right. That is all right. You can learn everything you do. So what do you want people to know most about you, your business, and your art? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So I, I, I want people to know that regardless if they are a client of Pyramedia, if they have their own network or business, brand, church, ministry, whatever it is that they're doing, I want everyone to win. That's really like my ultimate um, feeling deep down inside. No matter how uh, stressed out I get with projects, no matter how um, annoyed I may get with a staff member, no matter how uh, irritated I am for the day that's going on, something's going on in the world that's affecting my community or communities, uh, um, whatever is going on in the world, uh, whatever's going on in my life, I want everyone to win at the end of the day. Because at the end of the day, if we win, everything is going to be okay, right? <laughs> I think, like, That's you know, right. regardless, I, I, I try not to look at competition. I look at collaboration. Um, that's a really big deal for me because when I interact with, especially when I came into the dance world, uh, uh, you know, and I was trying to um, to start connecting different dance schools together, I got a lot of pushback. Um, And I got a lot of pushback because, you know, they were trying to build their own brand. They were trying to build their own company and and business and get as many students as they can. And oftentimes they have worked with people that have hurt them in the past that, you know, has made them feel like, you know, oh, well, you're stealing our our students and we're going to lose money. And that's their livelihood. I totally get that. But I was more looking at a collaboration type situation, a, 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 a situation where, you know, if you know about my studio and my students know about your studio and your students know, they there's not they have their home studio, they have their home place. But if 
if their favorite teacher at my school is out one day and they want to take a, a hip-hop class, they can go and look at, you know, one of the people that's in, within our network, you know what I'm saying, within within our, our space. Yeah. And so that's kind of how I went through um, – went through with when it came to, uh, to Power Media Network. In, a, in our efforts in growing and, and working with each other, I wanted to let their audiences know that Power Media was here for them to amplify their voices as well, and also vice versa. If, you know, I just, I think that there's more that we can do together than we can do apart, and and that's yeah. one of the reasons why Bullet and Flight Productions and Power Media Enterprises really connected so fast is because we saw that, this is an opportunity for collaboration as opposed to, oh, well, that's another radio station. And we were already in the process of creating a, a radio station. And so it was just dope that we were able to work with uh, Bullet and Flight Productions and see how we can help them create their own radio station. And then we didn't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> so it's not that, that Bullet and Flight took, you know, um, an aspiration of ours. It, it, it actually helped expand our network. Um, and expand our reach. And so, um, and then vice versa, we were able to help them um, and help you guys with, with different um, visuals and, 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 and setting up different things and branding and all the other things and, and, and all that jazz. And so I just feel like there's more of a collaboration. Had we came to each other where it was like, oh, that's bullet and flight and oh, that's pyromedia, then we would have lost an opportunity. And I think that most people need to look at how they interact with people. And oftentimes, that's how people feel when they walk into new churches. You see a new person come in and they're like, oh, that's a new person. We don't know her, but we don't know him. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so you get really standoffish. Um, and or it, it, you look at that new person and that newcomer um, as a money ticket, as opposed to somebody that can collaborate and enrich your ministry. So I just think that if we look at, and I'm just using that as an example, but I think if we look at um, collaboration as opposed to competition, you know, uh, I think there would be there would be world peace. <laughs> so, really, that's good. Really, really. <laughs> if, if 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 we could not be so insecure. Yes. Uh, and I think that that is that is a part of uh, the problem, and why people can't work together, uh, yeah. or feel like they can't work together is because there's such out of control, insecurity is just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And I'll say that. And I'll say so, that. <laughs> it is, whew, good Lord. Like, why are you thinking about you like that? It's, it's true. What? It's very true. And, and oftentimes, oftentimes you miss out on potential um, elevation because you're so busy trying yeah. to – to one up the other person instead of instead of looking at, and looking at them as a threat as opposed to, because yeah. if you were that if, if 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 you're looking at every if everybody's a threat then that means that what you have is not is not strong enough it doesn't have a good foundation no it can't if every single body is a threat to you I have I have literally I talk to brand strategists almost on a daily basis other brand strategists that have their own uh, businesses, their own coaching um, courses, and and everything. And I talk to them about what I do, and 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 they talk to me about what they do. And we never, um, at least the ones that I I'm cool with, we never worry about each other because at the end of the day, it's not a situation where I'm worrying about if they're going to steal my clients or if they're going to steal their clients. Brand strategy, media, 
uh, uh, church, we're all, especially church, we're all reading from the same Bible. Yes. Different translations, sure, yeah. but we're reading from the same Bible. <laughs> so there's nothing that one pastor can say that, and, and we that the other pastor can't say. It's just that you're there for the for the person behind the brand. You're not there for the brand. There's Burger King. Not at all. There's McDonald's. <laughs> so mm. you're there for the person behind the brand. You're not there for 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 the actual brand, the actual products. Because there's like for example, there's people, there's multiple people selling cups and glasses and, and houseware and, and forks and knives and stuff like that. You got Better Homes, you got Sears, you got different, you got Target and their brands and uh, whatever Walmart sells and their, their their home brand or whatever. You got uh, um, uh, Martha Stewart Home Goods. You got all of these different things. So I may go and I may want to purchase Martha Stewart stuff, or I may want to purchase Tabitha Brown stuff because I like Tabitha Brown. They're literally the same forks. They're literally the same cups. <laughs> but I'm going right. to her because I like her as a person. And so so I'm going to support the person behind the brand. So people are going to your church. People are supporting your church, and people are not leaving your church because they like you. Right. And they like how you interpret the word of God. <laughs> so when it comes to businesses and, and all this stuff, I always tell my clients, what are you stressing out about? There's 4,000 other businesses like yours. I had a, a, a client the other day, um, an old client actually, she reached out to me. She was like, hey, I was working with this other brand strategist and they were telling me something different, blah, blah. And I told her, I was like, well, stick. I was like, there's many people that are making um, stickers. This particular person was making stickers. There's, Hundreds of people, hundreds of Etsy shops out there that are making uh, stickers, but people are getting the stickers because they like you. <laughs> they don't care about the other stickers. They, somebody can be making the exact same sticker book that she's making, and they are picking her because they like her and what she's doing and how she's presenting it online, how she's um, talking about it, her passion behind it. Uh, people are following her, so that her followers, and she's always going to have a loyal followership, followership because people like her work. So, yeah. yes, there's other radio stations out there, that, but there's no other radio station like Bullet and Flight. There's other networks out there, but true. there's no other network like Pirate Media Network. That's true. So. You guys heard it here first. That is <laughs> <laughs> So tell everybody, tell all, our, all your fans, everyone, how they can find you on social media. Yes, so you can find me on all things social media at Kwame Speaks. So that's K-W-A as in Alpha, M as in Mike, E as in Echo, Speaks. The only place that it is different is on IG. So it is Kwame underscore Speaks on IG because somebody said Kwame Speaks. But you can find me there. Uh, but I'm most active on TikTok. Um, I will tell you this for all of those yeah. who are, um, uh, you know, scared of cussing. I do cuss. Okay, praise God. Um, you cut all my TikTok, so be forewarned. <laughs> Just want to let you know. Yeah. But um, I do. Uh, I'm most active on TikTok, uh, IG, and I do uh, have Facebook and Twitter. I'm not really as active on Twitter since uh, what's his name took over, but uh, I'm there if you need. Um, but also, you can find me um, on shows if you, at Kwame Speaks. It's on Bullet and Flight Radio. Shout out to the listeners who support. Um, and it's also, you can also find me on YouTube at Kwame Speaks. I mean, you can find the show that I do uh, with my brother Kyrie Sinaj, 
uh, Pyro Power Hour, which is the flagship show of Pyro Media Network, at Pyro Media Network on YouTube. And then Excellent. I also have a show called The Unusual Mavericks with this uh, sir on the phone, this young man on the phone here, Mr. Jeff Dominic. Uh, <laughs> and we will talk about all things Marvel and DC and comic-related and comic industry-related stuff uh, and on uh, Power Media Network as yes. well. So, yes. Yes. Well, that's perfect. And he helped me do my job. I was going to close out that thing. Please, everyone, check him out on Pyro Power Hour every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, as well as on Thursdays on the Unusual Mavericks with yours truly. Mr. Kwame, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to speak with us uh, here on Bulletin Flight Talk. Everyone, up next, we are going to play some very inspirational songs, so stay tuned. Yes, thanks for having me.